You just won a cage fight. Congratulations! After months of hard work and preparation, you were victorious against your foe. A job well done. A celebration well deserved. But hold up just a second because your work is not done. In fact, it's arguable that what you say in your post-fight interview might be as important as the victory itself. You gotta make a call out. This has worked to legendary effect on countless occasions. Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, Chael Sonnen, Habib Nurmagomedov, Colby Covington. But a great call out is not in and of itself a guarantee you'll get the fight you want. Today we're gonna be looking at 10 such occasions where fighters took the mic post fight or in an interview, nailed the call out, got fans hyped, and then saw absolutely zero for their efforts. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and UFC 270 is inbound. So come join the fun with Bet Online, the official partners to MMA On Point. Feeling confident about the fights? During our live UFC 270 fight companion featuring explosive UFC lightweight Mason Jones and Saul Milton, one half of the internationally acclaimed Chase and Status, you can play along with us using the code On Point to get a 50% sign-up bonus good for up to $1,000. More on that later, but for now, here are 10 memorable call-outs that led to nothing. Number 10. Mickey Gall calls out a retired commentator. This one's awkward. I think the lesson here is maybe put some feelers out with the fighter you want to challenge before you make it your big moments and they're absolutely uninterested in every way. I can't blame Mickey Gall though. The dude had been batting a thousand up to that point. He just happened to make his pro debut while they were filming an episode of Dana White's Looking for a Fight. He got on the microphone after his win and called out CM Punk. Dana loved it, signed him up. He got his big fight with Phil after defeating Mike Jackson to win the Punk sweepstakes. Post fight, he called Sage Northcutt corny. That call out worked too. He got the fight, he beat Super Sage, and and that's where he slipped. Gall had all this momentum. He had the call-out gimmick. Everybody wanted to know who was next, like Goldberg. He was undefeated. He had charisma. He was getting big chances. That Northcut fight was a Fox co-main. So who was his next genius play call-out? Dan Hardy. I, I'd like to welcome back Dan Hardy. He's coming back. He says he wants to come back for a marquee fight. I think I'm a marquee fight right now. Dan Hardy, the commentator? The outlaw had been milling over a return to the cage, something he's been doing for, I think, a decade now. And so the young gun shot his shot with a big name. The problem was it tanked almost instantly. Hardy, who joined the kiddo on the MMA hour that next Monday, said he spit his coffee out when he heard his name and then politely but firmly let it be known that, yeah, this fight was never going to happen. I'm 10 years older. We're at a different phase in our career, you know? And at the same time, if I was going to fight, I want to fight a veteran. I want to fight someone that's had 20, 30 fights. Right. Uh, Mickey, what do you think of that? That's, you know, he has a right to feel that way. I, I respect that too. Ouch. Number nine, Uriah Faber calls out TJ Dillashaw. There are a few more bitter and drama-filled bouts that could occur in mixed martial arts than Uriah Faber versus TJ Dillashaw. The former teammates had a falling out in 2015 when then-bantamweight champion TJ left Team Alpha Male to be with his mentor Dwayne Ludwig in Colorado, starting a largely public feud between the former friends that would see Faber fight a proxy war against Dillashaw in the form of Cody Garbrandt, largely because of the feud, tough Conor McGregor, and his eventual EPO failure and two-year suspension, TJ became a villain in the MMA community, but Faber would never actually call for a fight with Dillashaw prior to his suspension. The fall of 2016 would have been perfect for it, but Uriah said that he felt it was too much of a big drama show. Well, he changed his mind in 2021. The California kid back from retirement had been in talks with the UFC about welcoming Dillashaw back from his suspension, and they were into it, even offering the fight to TJ, who declined. As a result, Faber called out his former teammate publicly for the first time ever following his victorious return against Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, he would, he would be wrestling me like he was wrestling Sanhagen. Would it be an intriguing matchup and would be a great storyline absolutely i would only do that if it was a payday that also excited me tj's response was absolutely brutal yeah, it made no fucking <laughs> sense to me because uh 
I mean, the guy, I mean, how, well, I'm not going to have nothing to gain out of that fight and everything to lose. I think really just one, they wanted to get his ass kicked so they can kick him out of the UFC. It's safe to say this feud is likely never getting resolved. A call out, unfortunately, just a bit too late. Number eight, Charles Bennett calls out Vanderlei Silva. This legendary tale was finally confirmed true by Vandy in a 2020 interview. Charles Bennett, aka Crazy Horse, he's a bit of a wild card. Wild card, bitches! But a popular figure in both King of the Cage and Pride during his time. He would become legend when following a victory at Pride Shockwave 2005, he got into an altercation with the Shootabox team backstage, and in a now infamous video, was choked unconscious by Cristiano Marcello. What the tape doesn't show is that moments after regaining consciousness, Bennett surprised Vanderlei Silva, who was warming up for his title defense in the main event with a knockout blow. The much smaller and much outnumbered Bennett then sprinted out of the arena, bragging on KOing Vandy for the next decade. Mind you, this was Silva at the height of his powers, arguably the best fighter in the world. The story became mythical MMA lore until its recent confirmation. In 2016, after 28 bouts and nearly a decade away from Japan, Crazy Horse was scheduled for a bout in Ryzen against Silva protege Minoru Kimura. Bennett would enter the arena wearing a shirt he marked up himself, taunting Vandy before TKOing his young Padawan in just seven seconds and spending most of his time on the microphone after calling out Silva. For the record, you know what happened 2005. Oh my. That's why you're still salty. But you can't get down with this unless we put it on contract. We put it on contract, then you can get some. The two would get into it backstage as well as in the fighter hotel, but this bout was never meant to be, sadly. Vandy would never end up fighting in Ryzen despite their efforts, and eventually went to Bellator before retiring. Number 7. Daniel Cormier Calls Out Ryan Bader this call-out was such a burial that it might have actually ensured the fight never happened. It's almost as rough as when Conor McGregor set Jeremy Stevens on fire live in front of thousands of people. Who the fuck is that guy? DC's victim was Ryan Bader. The two were scheduled to main event a fight night following Cormier's loss to John Jones at UFC 182. But when the champ crashed into a pregnant woman and was stripped of his title, the UFC canceled that bout and rescheduled DC to fight Rumble Johnson for the now vacant crown. Post-fight, as you can imagine, Cormier had bigger things on his mind. John Jones, get your together i'm waiting for you but at the press conference afterwards when the newly crowned champ was confronted by bader over their lost bout dc let the future bellator double champ have it they said daniel what do you want i said i want the easiest fight in the division i want ryan bader just give me my paychecks right now Bader. get your ass out of here this is my press conference fuck out of here that was an evisceration. Instead of his title shot, Bader next fought Rashad Evans on the undercard of DC's defense against Alexander Gustafson. And while under normal circumstances that would have put Ryan as the next man up, John Jones complicated things. The return JBJ bout would go from 197 to 200 to 214, and in the meantime, Bader had been defeated by Rumble, completely squashing his title hopes. He would sign with Bellator in free agency a few fights later, and with DC officially retired, it looks like we'll never see the easiest fight play out. Number 6. Ben Askren calls out GSP for a decade. It was the great welterweight question for about 10 years. What would happen if Ben Askren fought George St. Pierre? For that same amount of time, Askren was seen as arguably the greatest talent in the world that was not signed by the UFC. Much of that narrative was smartly pushed by Askren himself, who started calling out welterweight King St. Pierre as early as 2011, when he was the unbeaten reigning defending Bellator champion. By 2016, now the champion at one, Askren, who largely called out GSP on social media and in interviews, posted a video directly challenging the former welterweight champ, who was at the 
time three years into a sabbatical. What prompted the callout was a rumor that GSP was returning to fighting, but negotiations with the new UFC ownership had broken down, and St. Pierre declared himself a free agent, saying on the MMA Hour that his lawyers had cleared his contract. Only a few days later would Askren make his challenge video. Now, of course, St. Pierre would re-sign with the UFC, but a few weeks after his victory over Michael Bisping for the middleweight title, Ben would retire from MMA with the caveat that he would return only to fight GSP, who he again called out. One year later, Askren would come out of retirement after being traded to the UFC and immediately started his campaign again for the St. Pierre fight. GSP was actively looking for a bout at that time, but it was Habib Nurmagomedov who had his interest. Ben would have that disastrous 2019 before retiring, St. Pierre doing the same that December, officially ending the possibility of answering that decade-long question. Number 5. Jason Miller Calls Out Nick Diaz Strikeforce desperately needed Jason Miller versus Nick Diaz, but they never got it. Mayhem had lost a middleweight title challenge to Diaz teammate Jake Shields at Strikeforce Fedor versus Rogers. So after winning his next fight at Strikeforce Nashville, he intended to hop in the cage and call out Shields should he win his main event against Dan Henderson live on CBS. It was a smart move because the audience for the show was massive. Unfortunately, the callout turned into a big old brawl that got Strikeforce kicked off CBS. But surely it would drum up some interest in that rematch, right? Well, Shields signed with the UFC shortly thereafter. After. But with Nick Diaz having thrown the first punch, Miller saw a potential moneymaker and called the Stockton native out on the JRE, something he knew Diaz watched. So you don't get along with Nick? Man, fuck Nick Diaz. Wow. Whoa. Strong words. What? Yeah, I said it. He's fucking putting it together. He's putting it on people. I like to whoop his ass. But Nick responded with a now legendary car ride video. I just want to tell you, fuck you. You. Look at you, motherfucker. You got gold teeth and funny hair. The fuck is that? I don't know where you want to live your life like that, man. At Strikeforce Houston, Mayhem would wear his infamous Don't Be Scared Homie shirt in an interview with Ariel Helwani to again hopefully drum up some interest. Don't be scared, homie. The two would have a backstage altercation at Strikeforce San Jose that October. Sadly, that would really be it. Coker tried to negotiate a catchway, but the parties could never come to terms, and once Zufa bought the promotion in 2011, Dana had bigger plans for Diaz. Mayhem would end up in the UFC coaching tough, but was fired due to a backstage incident two fights later. Number 4. Tony Ferguson Calls Out Conor McGregor Twice if at first you don't succeed, right? UFC 216. Tony Ferguson had just defeated Kevin Lee for the interim lightweight title, a belt at the time held by Conor McGregor for 329 days with no defenses. He was out getting that boxing bag. Now the owner of a shiny belt and a 10-fight win streak, Tony certainly had every right to be a little cranky in his call-out. Where you at, McNuggets, you piece of I'm gonna kick your ass. You better come and defend that belt. Defender vacate. In McGregor's continued absence, it was decided he would be stripped at 223, with Tony and Habib Nurmagomedov fighting for the vacant title. Cursed fight is cursed, Tony tripped over a cable and his knee exploded like a fucking Michael Bay movie. The Eagle won the belt by beating Ally Aquinta, following a KO of the fighter bus on media day by Connor and friends, leading to a UFC 229 where the rivals would set the pay-per-view record, and Tony now beltless would add an 11th win to his streak, and literally cut the exact same promo on Connor. Where you at, McNugget, you piece of shit. I'm gonna kick your ass! To be don't do it, I will! Son of a bitch! Of course, 229 ended with a massive brawl, leading to lengthy suspensions, so Tony added another win to his streak, setting up a fight with Habib for the fifth time at UFC 249. Connor had been in absentia since the brawl, and had only just come back to defeat Donald Cerrone. Surely a third callout by Ferguson would have gone down had he won the title or even fought for it. Surprise, the cursed fight was cancelled again. Tony fought for interim gold against Justin Gaethje, but the madman snapped his streak, sending Ferguson on a three-fight skid, ending the series of callouts and the inevitable nature of Connor versus Tony. 
Number 3. Yoel Romero calls out Michael Bisping. It is perhaps the most bone-chilling call-out on our list, but well, you get the gist at this point, it doesn't really matter how scary Yoel Romero was because the fight he wanted with Michael Bisbee never happened. Let's go back to UFC 205, a massive show. Connor at the height of his powers. The first card in NYC, 1.3 million buys. Yoel Romero is fighting hometown hero Chris Weidman to decide who's going to be next for the surprise middleweight champion Michael Bisbee, who jacked the crown from Luke Rockhold with a stiff left hook back at 199. Romero would get the closest to decapitating some someone in MMA history with a vicious flying knee finish of Weidman. During his post-fight interview, the cameras cut to Bisping, who was doing his analyst duties up in the cheap seats, prompting the Brit to let Yoel know he was number one among other things. As a result, Yoel would utter this now famous line. I love you, man. I love you. See you soon, boy. Never has I Love You sounded so scary. Romero on an eight-fight win streak with the demolition of a former champion was clearly next in line. But there was one giant problem, and that was George St. Pierre, who had decided to come out of semi-retirement to challenge for the middleweight title. It was officially announced that next March, and seemingly canceled that next May, with Yoel getting the championship not again. But Bisping, who was having some knee troubles, opted to heal up and wait for that big old payday he saw coming. As a result, Yoel would lose to Robert Whittaker for the interim title, Bisping would lose the real belt to GSP at 217, and then retire following another loss to Kelvin Gastelum three weeks later. Number 2. Conor McGregor Calls Out Rafael Dos Anjos Arguably the most timeless of MMA concepts created by Conor McGregor is the Red Panty Night, a moment now considered one of his best on the microphone. When you're trying to fight me, it's a celebration. You ring back home, you ring your wife. Baby, we done it. We're rich, baby. Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. But the resulting bout he was aiming for never came to be despite that, at least not for poor Rafael Dos Anjos. In March of 2015, RDA shocked the world when he defeated Anthony Pettis for the lightweight title at UFC 185. Ten days later, while on that massive world tour press junket that Conor was doing with Aldo to hype up their featherweight title fight, he let it be known that he had interest in double champ status. That July, McGregor would instead win interim gold at featherweight against Chad Mendez when the Aldo bout was delayed. Two days before the Go Big press conference where Conor called out RDA, RDA, he declared to the media that after the Jose fight, he was done with featherweight and he was coming for Rafael's strap. The Notorious was strategically placed near Dos Anjos at the presser and spent more time building a narrative there than he did with Aldo. Following victory at 194, things had lined up perfectly for a bout with RDA at 196. But of course, as the legend goes, the Brazilian was forced out with a broken foot, the Nate Diaz saga then ensued, and by the time Conor got back to his double champ ambitions, Red Panty Night was over for Dos Anjos, who had dropped the strap to the underground king. While the two still very much dislike each other, there's never going to be a fight now. Number 1. DC Calls Out Brock Lesnar It's one of the most viewed callouts in MMA history, with the YouTube version alone garnering 16.3 million views. People were absolutely jacked about this one, and it never happened because we were all just getting played. With rumblings of megastar Brock Lesnar potentially returning to MMA in 2018 for a mega fight, Daniel Cormier found himself in prime position to get that payday, and I'm not talking about candy bars. The light heavyweight champ reached coveted double title holder status following a swift and impressive finish of Stipe Miocic in the first round of their bout at UFC 226. Following a brief few moments to celebrate, DC took the mic from Joe Rogan and called out Brock Lesnar, who was cage side waiting to hop in and cut a promo on the heavyweights that Dana White doesn't like. McDonald's a piece of Miocic the piece of DC! They had a little shoving match, everybody was hyped, DC had this killer line. Push me now! You go to sleep later! 
and holy shit, we were off to the races. What a fight. The hype was real. Lesnar actually entered the USADA testing pool a day later, and you know that man does not submit to random PED tests unless he's serious. Sadly, though, this was as far as things would get. Brock decided to re-sign with the WWE, likely using all that MMA hype to leverage an even bigger payday from Vinnie Mac. Dana officially announced the Beast was done with MMA shortly after, and DC rematched Stipe instead of getting that giant Lesnar money. Thanks again to our official partners, Bet Online. Make sure to come and join us for our live UFC 270 in-studio fight companion featuring explosive UFC lightweight Mason Jones and Saul Milton, one half of the internationally acclaimed Chase and Status. You can play along with us at betonline.ag using the code ONPOINT to get a 50% sign-up bonus good for up to $1,000. See you at the violence, my friends. Huge shout-out to Lawton Veerkant for masterfully piecing this video together. The casual can be found on Twitter and IG at Lawton underscore Veerkant, where he's probably laying down some sweet tunes. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.